Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And uh, with modern technology, I make an announcement to pray about someone, and then a few moments later, we find out that things are different. We just received a text that Emily Vanderkuy, it's not a blood clot, so that's a good thing. Um, So not... uh, uh, that's not the problem, and I think it, they're not sure what it is. It could just be fatigue from a long trip, but um, so that's an answer to prayer. As I said last week, this is, um, as I was looking at kind of the schedule over the next couple months, I realized that, um, as is the case oftentimes in the summer, our Sunday nights are going to be a little uh, different from time to time. Um, next week we have a missionary speaker a week after that, we don't have an evening service, then we have um, VBS, and there's just a lot of things going on, and so I didn't really want to drag this series that we've been doing on end times uh, out too long. It could be a month until we have another opportunity, and so I wanted to just wrap it up, and it didn't cover everything, but I wanted to wrap it up here, and then we'll uh, maybe do a part B somewhere down the line, but uh, just get into some final thoughts, and so I wanted to just talk for a few moments tonight about the great white throne judgment. Um, If uh, you have ever been to court, um, you probably would attest to the fact that sometimes judges can be a little intimidating. Um, And uh, I won't ask how many of you have been to court because you uh, were on trial personally, Uh, but if you've been there, then you understand that. Um, Really, the only experience I ever had in court was, um, as you know, our children are both adopted, and for one of them, we had to go to court, and it was kind of a slam-dunk deal, but still, there's still that nervousness and apprehension, and um, the judge was very nice. But uh, if you're on trial, that might not be the case. We look through Scripture, and we see a number of times where it's mentioned judgments. In fact, Um, The great white throne is one of, I believe, seven judgments that are mentioned. And I'm just going to go through these uh, quickly here in the next few minutes. Uh, I went too far. Sorry about that. Uh, And just talk about them. I don't want to get into them too detailed, but um, I'm just going to go through them. I'm not sure if I have them on the screen. This is going really slow. You want to turn it for me, Alex? There we go. Okay. Um, first one is the judgment of the believer's sin at the cross. John chapter 12, if you look there, and, and you can follow along if you want. I don't have most of these on the screen because I just want to go through them quickly. But in John chapter 12 and verse 31, if you look there, it says, well, let's start in verse 30. It says, Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the rule of the world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Uh, the idea is that our, uh, as believers, our sin was judged at the cross. It was not judge, the judgment was not placed upon us, but it was placed upon Jesus. We see that mentioned there. And so the first one is the judgment of believers at the cross. The second one, if you'll just keep flipping there. Uh, the second one is the believer's self-judgment. Take your Bibles and look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11 31, it says in that passage, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one. but if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. 
Uh, and uh, that is a statement there of you know, our self-judgment, which is that you know, we don't really judge ourselves probably the way that we should. And so we see the believer's self-judgment. The third one, we'll continue on, take your Bibles and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and look at verse 10. It says there, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in his body, whether good or evil. We talked about that one a few weeks ago, but that's the the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, that's when all Christians will stand and give an account of what they have done for God. Um, go, go on to the next one we see. Uh, if you'll take your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. The next one is the judgment of the nations at the return of Christ. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 32. This is kind of intro into the topic of the great white throne judgment. 25 verse 32, it says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I'm talking about the Son of the Man when he comes in glory. We talked about uh, that last week with the Battle of Armageddon and the events that take place there. So that's the next one. Uh, The next one we see is, uh, if you'll take your Bibles and look at Ezekiel, back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel. The judgment of Israel at the return of Christ. In part B, if we get back to end times topic, in part B we'll get into more about uh, Israel and and, uh, the church. But in this passage it talks about in Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 37. Verse 37 there it says, if I can find the verse, I will make you pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. This is um, God talking to the nation of Israel and he's saying, I'm going to restore you, but before that restoration happens, you will pass under the rod. That is a symbol or a picture of of punishment, of judgment. And so uh, God tells them that there will come a time when uh, Israel will face a judgment as well. You see the next one. Take your Bibles and look at Jude chapter 6. Jude chapter 6, second to last book of the Bible. It's not chapter 6, excuse me, verse 6. There's only one chapter. Jude 6, it says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. It mentions there that the angels will also stand before uh, Jesus in a form of judgment. And then the last one is the one that we're going to look at. And so uh, you can turn there because that's where we'll be for most of the time here. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. And the last one is the judgment of the wicked at the great white throne. Specifically, uh, it talks about the wicked dead, but we'll look at that in a few moments. So when we talk about the great white throne judgment, it's one of seven uh, judgments that we see here in Scripture. 
Um, and it's important to understand. So who is, what are some of the details of this judgment? Well, first of all, uh, the next thing we're going to look at is who is the judge. You can flip to the next one. Who is the judge? If you look at John, you don't need to turn there because I have it on the screen, but in John chapter 5, the next screen there, John chapter 5, it says, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to His Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. And Scripture we see here mentioned um, the judgment coming from Jesus is the one who uh, sits on the throne and, and passes judgment upon all that are there. And so we see that mentioned there. Who is judged? If you look at Revelation chapter 20, let's flip to the next screen there. Revelation chapter 20, look starting in verse 11. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before the throne. Now who's there? Scripture tells us that every dead person who was unsaved, everyone that appear, will be, appear before Jesus at this judgment, um, and uh, they'll have to stand one by one before God. Intimidating. Uh, it's, not, it's not like standing before a judge and it being a good thing. This is, this is a bad thing. This is um, a, a problem. What is the criteria? If you flip to the next one, what does Scripture tell us is the criteria? Or what, what, was, what is the indication of their judgment? If you continue reading in chapter, uh, in chapter 20, look what it says first of all. It says in chapter 20, verse 12, uh, it says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what he has done. Uh, in, interesting, it, uh, in the Greek, it kind of alludes to two separate uh, books there. The book of life is the one that we're familiar with, and uh, it's one that we uh, have heard mentioned many times. But uh, So the first criteria is, is your name in the book of life? And so uh, Jesus takes his book and he op- opens it up and he looks and he examines and he sees all the people who have, have by faith accepted Jesus Christ are in there. If you're not, then your name is not book, in the book of life. You're not allowed, to, uh, you didn't experience salvation. And that's why you're standing before Jesus it's not to see whether or not Jesus, you know, it's not, it's not that Jesus forgot. It's not that Jesus was like, well, I can't remember if you're here. No, it's, it's verification of the fact of who rightly deserves condemnation. Who rightly deserves what they're about to face. And it's, it's a way of, uh, of, of verifying that for all to see. The books were open. The book of life was open. The dead were judged out of these things. You know, notice that if you look uh, in, in the language of the Greek, and the ESV shows that, it's, that there's a distinction uh, between the books, and uh, which it contains the record of their works. If you look in that passage, it says uh, it tells us that, and it says written in the books according to what they had done, a record of their works, separated from the book of life, and. Uh, you know, as human beings, these are ones that were not saved by the grace of God and they stand condemned. But what's the second uh, criteria? And that is, what is uh, the record of the individual in the books? 
What does it say? As I said, the omniscient God needs no books to jog his memory. It's not like God's going to open up these books and say, oh, you did this, I forgot about that. He knows that. But uh, these books are there to assure human beings that God's record is complete and accurate. And I don't know how that's going to go. Scripture doesn't give us a detailed account of how that's going to go. You know, uh, you, you hear people say, you know, that there's going to be a video of your life. Probably not. But I don't know that. But whatever it is, is that God clearly shows to mankind, here is what you did. And here is the book that shows that you did not accept me. You rejected me. Examination uh, determines... Uh, the degree of punishment of each of these unsaved people. What is, uh, they're judged by what was written in the books, it says there in that passage. By what they were done, according to what they have done, will determine judgment. And so it's important for us to realize the criteria. The next thing that we want to notice is the inescapable nature of the great white throne. Those who trusted, if you're here tonight and you've trusted in Jesus Christ, then you will never enter into that kind of judgment. And that's a good thing. And I'm sure that's one that we should be thankful for. We passed from death into life, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. But those who have not trusted in Christ cannot escape condemnation. Notice what it says in that passage. Look at verse um, chapter 20 and look at verse 13. It says, The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what he has done. Uh, notice how it says that there's, there's never an escape of judgment, regardless of the circumstances, and uh, the sea gave up. You know, those who were, who were tossed out at sea and died at sea, and you know, their body uh, just went down to the depths of the sea. It's not like they're exempt. God doesn't, you know, oh, I, didn't, I forgot about them. No, it says they... they they will also face judgment. Those that had died, those that were in, in Hades, we talked about Hades as uh, being a place of, of torment. And he says all of those people were judged because they have not accepted Christ. I'm assuming if you're here tonight, you have. But maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't heard uh, the, the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't understood that one day you will stand before God uh, if you have not trusted in Him. What does John 3.16 tell us? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall have everlasting life. What does the next verse say? God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Why does it say that? Because by our nature we're already condemned. You know, so many people go through life and they think, well, you know what, I'm a good person. Or they think, well, you know, I'm, uh, it's not, I'm not that bad. But the Bible tells us that Jesus didn't come to condemn us because we were already condemned. Our sin has already condemned us. And so it's not an unfair judgment. It's not God looking down and saying, well, you're better or you're better and so I'm going to choose you. God looked down and said, all of you are condemned. The only ones that are going to not face this judgment are those that accept my gift of salvation. And he tells us in Acts chapter 4, there is no salvation apart from faith in Christ alone. You know, God of all the earth can do 
nothing but what's right. An eternal hell is just a just penalty for sinful humanity. All of mankind, you know, those, those people you rub shoulders with every day, so many of them already stand condemned without the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, after death, no man is in control of his own destiny. Before death, all of us have an opportunity. And that is what we see clearly in this passage. God doesn't, there's no favoritism. It's, you know, everyone is susceptible to this if we have not placed our faith. The next thing I want to notice is what is the penalty of this great white throne judgment? If you look again, look at chapter 20 of Revelation, look down at verse 14, it says, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Eternal hell is described as the lake of fire, the second death. It's, it's a place of hor- horrific nature. Now, we don't have um, a lot of descriptions of this lake of fire, but uh, we do have descriptions of hell that were mentioned, and I believe there's probably a lot of similarities and maybe exactly the same. And, and so what does the Bible tell us about this, this horrible place called hell? Let's look at a few verses. Take your Bibles and look at uh, Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is the... And starting in verse 20, or 19, but we'll look in verse 23, is the story of rich man and Lazarus. And uh, you've heard this story before if you've been in church for very long and the story of how a rich man had everything he wanted on earth and he died and he was sent to... Um, he was set to hell. And, and hell is a place of consci- uh, a conscious torment. There's not this sense of, well, we don't know what's going on. It's very clear. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 23. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off. There wasn't this sense of he's in torment, but he doesn't realize exactly what's going on. No, there's torment, yet he's able to, with full capacity, look out and see Lazarus, the, the, the beggar who stood outside of his house and begged and took the scraps that were left behind. He sees him out there and he sees that he's okay. He sees that he's uh, enjoying what's going on and he's uh, in a good place. You know, hell is not a place where we're hidden from what's going on around us. Look what it says in, uh, in chapter 16, verse 28. If you look there, it says, uh, let's look at verse 27. And he said, then I beg you. The rich man said, I beg you, Father, send to him my, to my father's house. Send Lazarus. Why? Because he, verse 28, I have five brothers so that he may warn them lest they also come to the place of torment. It's a place of torment. It's a place of, of tormenting memories. That constant reminder. And he says, you know, send Lazarus back so he can go and tell my family that they don't want to come here. They don't want to be a part of this because this is a bad, horrible, horrific place. If only I would have known about Jesus. If only if I would have accepted. Please send someone. 
We see it's a place of torment. The second thing we notice, if you'll take your Bibles and look at uh, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8 in verse 12. It says there, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place of eternal darkness. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of the dark. It's nice when you're sleeping, but too much dark, and you kind of get tired of it after a while. Um, you know, I've said this before, but we live in South Bend, Indiana, and it's like gloomy all winter. But this is more than just gloomy, it's dark. It's complete darkness. And so the point of the darkness is it's such, it's such agony that people will gnash and they'll gnaw at their teeth. Because it's, it's torture. But it's an awareness of what's going on around them. The Bible says it's eternal darkness. Next thing he says is it's a haunting alienation. You'll uh, take your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Look at verse 28. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See the same phrase. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. The idea of alienated, this is something more than just mere separation. It's, it's complete alienation. How many times have you maybe witnessed to someone or you've talked to someone or have you heard someone say, well, I, I can't wait to get to hell because I'll get to party with all my friends. I don't think there's any sense whatsoever that that's going to take place. This place of complete aloneness. Now, some of you maybe are, are by nature loners, and so that sounds good to you <laughs> to be alone, but I, I don't think for all of eternity that would be something anyone would desire. The scripture tells us that there will be aloneness. Take your Bibles, the next one, look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And uh, look at verse 46. Matthew 25, 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And that word eternal is something we can't even begin to grasp. I mean... uh, Yesterday, we had the memorial service for Clayton Hoover. He lived 104 years. That seems like a very long time. It doesn't even scratch the surface of eternity. It's just a place of no escape, no hope. It's a place of uh, utter aloneness. Take your Bibles, look next at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. He says in Mark chapter 9, look at verse 44. Uh, Excuse me, let's look at verse 48. 
He says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The last one there is, it's a place of the worm and of unquenchable fire. You say, what exactly does that mean about the worm? I don't know. But we get the idea here. It's a place that you probably don't want to be around these worms that he's mentioning. It's a place of uh, unquenchable fire. There's no way. You can see the story of Lazarus where the rich man said, if I could just have just a drop of water, just a tiny drop of water, there's not that there. We think about this and it's, on one hand we go, well, I'm a believer. Praise the Lord, I won't be there. I won't have to experience this. But we think about the other side of that, and that is, you know, but it's our responsibility to save uh, people from hell by sharing the gospel. To save people from having to stand before God at the great white throne by sharing the gospel. When? Now. Take your Bibles one last time and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You know, as believers, it's our responsibility. Why do we study end times theology? And I think there are many reasons. In the very first week, we talked about that. What are some benefits of studying uh, end times theology? But I think one of the uh, reasons that most grasp our thoughts tonight is that we as Christians need to labor to help people to escape this judgment. You know, there is, there is no, um, you know, and, and no person that has a truly loving heart wants anyone to go through this. Now, from time to time, I'll, I don't know about you, and maybe you'll think I'm very carnal when I say this. But time to time, I, I hear about something that happens in the news and, uh, or some event. Some of you heard about the, the church shooting. And I think about the criminal that did that, and it just it, it causes me to awe the forgiveness that the church was able to offer to him. And, and my, but my first initial thought is, you know, someday he'll realize what he did wrong and someday he'll stand before God and, 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 and for a brief moment I found myself almost uh, happy. And then I remind myself that it's not going to be a place that anyone will want to be. And it's our responsibility whether they're you know, our neighbor who is kind and loving or whether there's someone who, who marched into a church and killed a bunch of people. It's still our responsibility to, sh- to love them and show the love of Christ and to give them the good news of Jesus Christ. I challenge you with that. Are we, are we as Christians sharing what we have, sharing the opportunity that we have been given? I hope we are. I'm going to close in prayer, and then we do have just a brief uh, business meeting to follow. I'll Pastor Nate sing a song. Let's pray.